This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you a few days after, some people like to call it Derby Day. Derby Day is a day when a team from your local area, fairly local to you, comes down and plays you or you go to them and you play them. And it's always full of anticipation, fear, danger. Kind of like, you know, all sorts, of, all sorts of feelings go down in Derby Day. And Fulham came down to New Griffin Park on Monday night. Um, and they went home very sad with their tails between their legs. B3, Fulham 2. It was a great night. And to be quite honest with you, we're going to spend this whole podcast pretty much talking about Brentford beating Fulham. I've got my chums here in the virtual joint. I'm sitting here with my pint of Guinness and I'm going to get some more beers lined up as well all the way through this podcast and talk about Brentford beating Fulham. I've got Laney in the house. Laney, what do you want to talk about today? Um, I might talk about um, the Fulham match on Monday night, Bill, if that's all right with you. But I've noticed that um, when you win your game against your local rivals, then, then you know it's, it's like a euphoria. Um, and it's fine. If you lose it, it's, you, you're allowed to say, "Oh, you, oh, you won your cup final," um, which, which, which we're getting because oh, it's, it's an important game for both teams. But if you lose it, then you flip it like, you know, it's, it means more to the other team than it does to you." But um, I, I, I'm, I'm saying uh, it's you know it's the, one of the biggest games on our calendar this year, and we, and we won it. So I'm, I'm, I'm mighty happy. Aren't you, Bill? I'm very, very happy indeed, lady. Um, but I tell you something. It's not only it's not only about me and you, Laney. It's about our other no. guests in the house as well. We've got the cog in the house. The cog. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Is there anything that you want to talk about? I'd like to talk about the uh, Fulham game. The Fulham game. I mean, why is that cog? Because I mean, is this, did anything in particular happen about the Fulham game? Well, we just took them apart. Really, it was a wonderful, wonderful evening. That's right, that's right. Okay, well, we'll tell you something. We've got a whole podcast which we could talk about the Fulham game. So I'll come back to you a little bit later as well. We've got Tommy L in the house. Tommy, how are you? Doing well, Billy. How are you? No, I'm all good, mate. Is there anything in particular you want to talk about in this podcast? 
Uh, yeah, mate, I thought I'd talk about our uh, biggest ever league fixture against local rivals, Fulham. Our biggest um, ever, it's the biggest ever lead fixture or biggest league fixture this oh, year? No, well, season. I think it was the biggest ever to date, wasn't it? Uh, a league fixture, anyway. Yeah, not, not, uh, yeah. the first, the one at the beginning of the season didn't really count, did it? No. <laughs> no. Well, no one, no one thought either team was going to be where they were at this stage of the season. So I think this qualifies definitely as the biggest, biggest league game ever against. De- definitely, definitely. And 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 was it a pleasing um, uh, day for you, Tommy? Uh, yeah, it was all right, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I certainly, I certainly didn't leave early. No. I'll tell you that much. Stayed right to the very end. And it's funny that actually, just like the professional, you are just queuing me in. So uh, leaving early, I'm going to have to ask a question. Okay. Um, to leave or not to leave? That is the question. The question I have to ask you is that when is it a good time to leave an event early? I mean, surely there must be some justification for it. Um, now, this is referring to the Fulham match on Monday night. Um, when Brentford went 3 went up, Fulham fans decided to uh, have a fire drill. Um, now, there's a difference between a fire drill and a complete and utter evacuation. Now, if, if a place is evacuated, there's sometimes a good reason for an evacuation. Now, I would, I'm, I'm going to be devil's advocate here, and I say that there actually is a good reason for uh, an evacuation. However, our buddy, Rusty B, does not believe there is a good reason for evacuation, especially a game, the magnitude that we had on Monday night. Let's have a little listen to what Rusty B had to say about Fulham's evacuation. <laughs> Disgrace. <laughs> it was embarrassing. You know, they've had a really good season. They've been playing great football, had some great results, and with two minutes to go, they've all fucked off. And you know, they, when they scored that second goal with a minute to go, well, we saw what happened when we played Kipiari the other year when they drew two all with us, when we were two new up with like a minute to go. But when they scored that second goal, there was no one there to cheer. They were silent, they were silent, wasn't it? Most people didn't know it was a goal. I've never seen a goal celebrated so little in my life. It's absolutely fucking embarrassing. They should be ashamed of themselves. And like my mate, when they come over at the end of the game to collect their fans, my mate over there, Craig, said every fan will get a shirt because there's only 12 of them fucking left. You know, it was that embarrassing, wasn't it? Rusty B was not happy with the Fulham fans at all, was he, Laney? No, he wasn't happy. Um, what? But he's pro- he's produced a bit of a uh, bit of podcast gold there. <laughs> it's um, we we were all thinking it, but no one could quite put it exactly like he did. And um, yeah, it's uh, he, he hit the nail on the head, really. It was just, uh, it was, it was just shocking, you know. And the, the people that were left in the ground, they were, they, they were only there because the queue to get out was, was, was like funneling through the exit, you know. It, if I don't think there would have been anyone in there if they played another couple more minutes, because you know, it, it was. I've never seen anything quite, like, quite like it because, to, to be honest, because it just wasn't like it wasn't just like there were a few empty seats or there were empty seats or do you know like when you get that bit that that look that kind of baldy look 
when just after the half time at Wembley where you know the, the the posh seats are kind of funneling their way back in after their their prawn sandwiches or whatever um it it, it, it you you do notice times where 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 um stadiums look sparse not even our colored seats could disguise the fact there was no Fulham fans there. It was it was just it was just bonkers. There was there was literally no one there. It, it not t- like t- not like, like a chunk had gone. No one. T- t- was tell there. you what it was. It was actually a, a, it was actually kind of almost like a, a throwback to the last time that we played Fulham at, at New Griffin Park, which was during lockdown. And there were like yeah. no, there were yeah. no fans in the stadium. <laughs> Maybe like the Fulham fans actually thought, actually, this is kind of how we need to watch our team at Brentford with like no one in the stadium because there literally was no one in there. And uh, like I said to you, I'm listen as I do. I'm going to go over to Tommy. I mean, because Tommy, I mean Tommy, I'm just going to ask you, you know, what what were your thoughts on that moment when they scored? Because also, like I said to you, when they scored, the weird thing about it is, I mean, like we laugh when you know fans come down, and there's been some fans that come down to to New Griffin Park who are worse than other fans who don't give the support. But when they score, normally there's a roar, whenever that may be. You know, there's a, there's a roar that they score, but when when they scored, it, it was a bit bizarre, wasn't it? Oh, it was totally bizarre. I mean, in fairness to them, they had a long way to go, you know, to go home. So, you know, it's probably a reason for them leaving that early. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you normally hear some noise. I mean, they didn't they didn't make any noise all night, frankly. But um, you normally hear some noise when the Oppo score. No, and, no um, noise from the Put- Putney boys, yeah. No, absolutely none whatsoever, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, it was strange. I think we made more noise. I think the groan that we made, that we, that, that we were all like, oh, God, that's annoying. <laughs> that, that was definitely, that murmur, where we all said the same thing, that, that definitely made more noise than the 12 Fulham fans left behind. Maybe they left um, some sort of quiche or sponge in the Arga. Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, they'd, they'd, run out, they'd run out of smashed avocados, yeah. I mean... Um, the, the cog. I mean, I've got to ask this question as well because I mean, Laney was talking about sort of the social media comments and the fact that you know when teams lose, they start you know giving it you know oh yeah your cup final and all this kind of stuff and you know also you know there's the you know Fulhamish our chums as well but you know who I spoke to before the game and they were laughing saying well you know we're trying to work out whether or not we're going to score five four or five past you today and I was just like you know very calm you know we will see you know they said that they were going to uh, we'll talk on Tuesday they said I've I've not heard from them since and I don't think I'll probably hear from them for the next four months. Um, but, the, but just coming back to this thing, I'm just wondering, OK, the fact that they lost that game in such a way, you know, the third goal was scored in such a way and so many people left. To me, that, that, that says to me that that actually really hurt them because, um, you know, normally somebody scores another and you stay. But the fact that they all left... They obviously thought that they're going to win that game. They obviously thought that because, you know, if you, if you didn't think that, then you'd be, oh, whatever, we've just lost this game. But they obviously really thought they were going to win. And when that goal went in, because it wasn't as if at that stage it was like 7-1 or 8-1. It wasn't like the Liverpool score against Man United. It was only 3-1, you know what I'm saying? And they had a chance still, you know, time to come back into the game. But they all left. And, uh, and I'm just wondering, what do you think was going through their head, the cog? I don't know whether it's a, whether it's a complacency thing. Uh, I mean, the message it sends out to the team, to the manager, etc., though, is is disastrous, isn't it? Can you imagine that happening to to Brentford when we're like, you know, two goals down with eight minutes injury time? The whole end just disappears. That's just embarrassing. And 
you know that that's sending a really bad kind of message to the team you know who'd worked their socks off to be fair and played pretty well to uh, exit like that is just that's uh, really unforgivable I think but the fans actually left well before injury time that's the thing I mean if they left at injury time you think okay that's fair enough I mean I'm gonna I mean, I mean let's just hark back to you know the season and this is not a case of oh we're better than you but let's look at situations where we're a bit down in the dumps okay we, we went to Aston Villa and like we got battered by Aston Villa I mean like we went there and they just played us off the park and we were like was it 4-0 down before before we knew it okay now if I remember rightly, I don't remember Brentford evacuating the, the, the away end at Villa. I mean, we stayed till the very end, four goals down, got battered, and then we went back to the pub and we had a drink with the Villa fans. I mean, Laney, wasn't that right? Yeah, I mean, there were, I mean, there, there were, there were some fans some. that left. Yeah, but, it wasn't, I mean, but it wasn't an evacuation. No, it wasn't on that scale. And, you know, I, I, I remember at, um, at Newcastle away, you know, we, we 5-1 down. And, yeah, of course, people people head back to the pub. But it wasn't en masse. It wasn't like it, wasn't like it was a, a cool... It wasn't all 3,000 of us that were up there, no. No, 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 it wasn't. It was, it was just like people drift away. And, um, you know, it, 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 you know, we're not going to... I think you're, what you're saying is we're not going to be all holier, holier than now and saying, like, our fans never leave the game early, ever. But not anything like that. Not even Southampton away last season when we were, you know, we were getting beaten 4-1 and there was only one train back that night. And, you know, if you missed that, then you were uh, in big trouble. You know, I guess that there was a reason that night to make sure that you were on that train and you, and you left. That was probably the only time I've seen a, 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 an above average um, leaving the stadium. But but it wasn't anything you know, like. But it still but wasn't anything like, like that. No, it wasn't anything nothing, like that. That's nothing. the whole thing. As, as I said earlier, I've never seen anything like that in my life, where there was literally no away fans left inside the stadium, barring a handful. I mean, that was that's not an exaggeration. When Rusty said there was only 12 and they would all get a shirt each because there was only 12 left, you know, that really wasn't an exaggeration, which made it, which made it even more funny because it was true. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, just harking back to you, just, you can go back and just say, have there been any situations where you've either, you know, you've gone in and you've left early? It could be a football match or it could be an event, okay? You left early and then you may have regretted it or didn't regret it or, or anybody that you know might have done that or, or there's situations where you've actually stood firm. You said, I ain't going to leave and you thought, oh my God, actually, I should have, um, I should have actually left that one because that was quite really bad. I mean, I'm going to hark back to it again. I mean, you know, like harking back. I mean, I know Ali Malali was laughing me talking about 1981 last week and my, my Fulham memories from, uh, from back in the day. But, you know, I'll, I'll still live on those memories. I thought it was, it was wonderful, you know, in the days that we, well, you know, well, we were trying to beat them and we eventually got the better out of them. And I'm still, I'm still very fond of those memories. But we should move on to, uh, to the, the noughties, as they call it. 2005, I remember going up to Bradford City with mortgage men and, and this crew. And we went up there and to Bradford City. Uh, and I remember we were there in the side stand. They put us in the side stand and Brentford were 4-0 down at half time and uh, I mean in those days what we probably used to take sort of 300 or 400 fans in a away game if you were lucky and I have to admit sort of quite a few characters did leave uh, when we were 4-0 down at half time at Bradford City and went back to the pub across the road but I decided to stand firm and I stayed in the stadium and I stayed there till 
the bit I probably left them like in the 89th minute and went to go and meet the characters in the pub or by the time I got and met them they were well and truly oiled so I mean that's one situation that I remember where uh, there was a bit of a, a fire drill but it was those days where we were terrible um, and uh, and characters decided that they were going to you know other an away day and they thought look we could have better fun back in the pub uh, but I say that still, it still wasn't as bad as the Fulham evacuation. Um, have you got any other situations that you want to talk about? Anybody? Leave, leaving early, I, I, I left a party early once and I, I, reg- I regretted that. I, um, it was one of the early when Saturday comes. It might have been the 10th anniversary, 5th anniversary, and I was there. Rupert came down from the Rupert's Raw, the Falkirk fanzine, and we had a really good night and he'd introduced me to his mate who was in a band called Oasis that I'd never heard of. And um, he invited us back to listen to his first album, and uh, and yeah, the first album definitely maybe. And uh, I, it was, it, we had fun, and I, and and I just thought I'd get the last train home. But um, apparently, the party went on all night, and the album kind of it it, it, it got traction. It did quite well, apparently. So yeah, I, I, I regret leaving that party early. Yeah. Tommy. I'm, I'm, I don't think I can top that. That's, uh, that's outstanding, Dave. Um, I, I left the NFL earlier at Burr Stadium last season because uh, just like 85,000 people trying to get to a tube station that's, that's absolutely miles away, uh, I, I had to. But I've never left, never left a football match early. Um, I did leave um, at a festival. Um, it was chucking it down with rain and we, we were planning to stay at the main stage the whole day. But we kind of were like, oh, we're really wet and fed up now. Let's go back to the tent. And we left. And then when we came back late that evening, we found out the specials had made their return in uh, oh. a, su- a surprise gig. They weren't billed. Um, so, yeah, missed the specials return after like 25, 30 years apart, something like that. Um, that was just more bad timing than leaving early. But you'll say, yeah, never left a football match early. And I just don't understand people that do. Yeah. The clock. Nothing to compare with those, I'm afraid. I've cut, you know, no, nothing to compare with them. So, uh, so you, you, you're just you're just airing us the, the cog. You're just airing us, mate. Yeah, that's right. Ah, cheers, cheers, the cog. Right, we'll have to talk to you about. We're, we're going to have to review your contract, the cog, because you're you're not, you're not <laughs> playing the game. You're not playing the game, mate. I'll tell you something. There's, there's a few other things as well. I mean, we've got to chuckle about as well. There's obviously there's the uh, liberal Nick who uh, he hasn't been on the podcast as much as he, as he used to be back on the day due to his proximity of living literally in France. Um, <laughs> uh, it's more. It's almost America, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. So uh, yeah, but we will get him on at some stage, I'm sure, because I'm, I know a lot of people do miss the liberal Nick, and uh, he actually went to and actually talk about Fulham he went to the Fulham game but unlike the Fulham fans you know we actually were losing to Fulham um, we were losing to Fulham and I think it went into extra time but the Brentford fans all stayed behind except for Liberal Nick because Liberal Nick decided to leave early in fact he had to get, uh, leave early because he, uh, he had to head back to uh, to the West Country and I, 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 was it a Tuesday night was it a night game I can't remember no, it, was a sat- it was a Saturday it was a Saturday so I don't know why yeah, I, don't know, yeah. I don't know why he left so early but anyway, it was pretty, tra- train timing oh yeah train timing anyway, but anyway so Liberal left back and uh, that was when Malpe scored in the last minute against Fulham and did that absolutely fantastic goal and then sort of celebration and so I remember Liberal Nick saying he was absolutely gutted when he missed that one as well and also and, and again it's, it always seems to happen against Fulham we've got my mate Paul Paul Cassell from Seven Oaks and uh, we were playing Fulham and it was one all 
and uh, the game was going into extra time and Paul says oh I'm going to leave because I'm going to get my train and we're like going, oh my god this game's really exciting he goes no guys I'm going to go it's one all and he left and he walked out and then there was hotter in the last minute and he missed the hotter in the last minute moment which I, I think is completely oh, unforgivable oh you know? man you were winning <laughs> oh dear yeah. you know um, but the thing is there was only one of those two of them it's him and his brother just two of them that left it wasn't like the whole end has evacuated so uh you know of course i talked about my mate neil the crystal palace fan who walked out uh, at the end of the game when palace were one nil up a couple of weeks ago and uh, he was absolutely gutted about that when he heard the cheers from the bees fans as he was walking back to kew bridge station so but in general like i said to you we're just talking about the evacuation i mean surely i'm just going to throw it out there there there, there are there, there must be a time when it's okay to evacuate to leave early we, we, we can't all be like you know like us surely yeah, just no just no <laughs> yeah if you're on a ship and it's sinking yeah, you can jump off it absolutely oh, oh maybe ah, maybe maybe that's maybe that's what they they realized <laughs> maybe they realized <laughs> they're on a fulham, metaphor yeah the metaphorical fulham <laughs> ship is is about to, about to about to get sunk what it's funny you say that because I was looking at um, quite a few Fulham socials afterwards and quite a lot of Fulham fans are actually saying that that, that was coming and uh, and that, that they were quite surprised. So maybe they were just expecting it, actually. that They weren't all those ones, those bullish fans that you met. Maybe they were the minority and actually they were expecting it and they just thought, well, let's get out of here as quickly as we can. I did um, that did make me laugh. Someone someone did tweet, two, two German subs sunk Fulham because there was Vitaly Yanel and, uh, and, and, Sh- and Sharda. So, yeah, that did make me laugh. Yeah, just a chuckle. But anyway, listen, we're telling you something. We're going to go away because we've all got beers and all sorts of drinks in front of us. You know, maybe cups of tea, whatever you want to drink, which is fine. It doesn't have to be alcoholic. It just has to be enjoyable. We're going to go away. We're going to have a little drink. We're going to go. We're going to come back, and then we're going to talk about. Um, I think we talk about Fulham. Monday night, New Griffin Park, under the lights. Brentford three, Fulham two. A mass evacuation, and there was no, there's no security alarm. They just left to the moon. We could have probably gone on like this for years, but because it's completely floored us, we've got, we've got no idea. There might have been, there might have been a reason for it. There actually might have been a valid reason for it. I'm trying to find out. Actually, I've put a little call out to the Fulhamish, and uh, maybe we might hear back from them before the end of the podcast. But it was a great evening, and also it was Brentford celebration of International Women's Day, which is, uh, which is all really good. As well, so yeah, like I said to you, they had lots of things that were going down before the match. They had the Brentford uh, Female Academy, Girls Academy, which is the ETC and the development squad as well, who were on the pitch there, who did the uh, guard of honour for the players. And uh, I was very lucky that my daughter Bella was actually on the pitch there with her girls from the ETC, welcoming the players on. One thing she said to me, she goes, oh my God, Ivan Tony, he is absolutely massive. He's like a giant. And he is. And he was a giant that was giving Fulham lots of problems on the pitch as well. But I mean, that game, it was uh, it was almost, I wouldn't say it was a game of two halves, but it was a game of where the first half, I mean, we went in, won all at half time. And even though we were probably a little bit gutted that Fulham got the goal back, if you're being a football fan, is what we tried to do. We tried to be fair. We said, to be fair, that was probably a fair result at half-time. We said, at half-time, and that was coming. Fulham were coming at us, and uh, they got in there at half-time. But in the second half, it's almost like we just turned the screw, and we just knew what to do. We, we allowed them to have the ball, you know, as much as, you know, as, as we wanted to, knowing that they'd only do a certain amount with the ball. And then what we did is that we just killed them. Any time that we just attacked, we just, like, we looked dangerous 
the whole time. And uh, it looked like there was only one team that was going to win that game in that second half. Win it, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. The, the, the first half was um, was even. Yeah, we started, uh, we went off like a train, didn't we? We had, should have probably had three in the back of the net within 10 minutes. Um, but they they grew into that half. And, and I think in the end, it was just two jammy goals, weren't they? Ours was a massive deflection and theirs was a, was a lucky bounce off, off the corner of the bar and the post and, um, and, and nodded in. But the second half was all about Brentford's desire. We, we Our desire and our... our um, just will to win you know just those guys that, that lot were not giving in um, they realised what a monumental occasion it was um, I don't know what Thomas said to them at half time but he clearly got into them and um, they came out and Fulham didn't get a sniff second half did they they didn't get a sniff they're a good side let's be honest and they, they, they play well but we just didn't let them play um, we, we bullied them from, from start to finish in that second half and it, I think it was the most complete second half performance by Brentford that I've seen in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought they were absolutely outstanding. That's it. And it's interesting you say that. I mean, one of my, my mates, again, Neil, the Palace fan who watched that, you know, he goes, good game. Lots of attacking intent. Brentford celebrated than, uh, harder than Arsenal did when they, you know, when they scored that last minute equal um, winner against Bournemouth as well. And he's going like, I can't believe they celebrated harder. You know, he's going like Brentford's lap of honour versus Arsenal four-staff pitch invasion after the Bournemouth winner. Who has celebrated hard? He thought that we did, you know. But then he said also, he goes, he goes, he loves it when players understand the importance of these games. And he's saying, no celebration, please. I'm not Richard Keyes. But he's saying, like, you know, the fact that he, he could tell when he watched that game how important it was to the players. And, and I went back to him to explain to him how the club actually got Peter Gillam to sit down with all the players and explain to them how important matches like Fulham, and QPR are for these players who you know might have come from abroad or come from sort of kind of lower leagues who have got no idea about the kind of the the history of Brentford. You know, I mean, he obviously probably told about my 1981 stories as well. Like you know what I'm saying, and how, how important it was for us to beat Fulham back in 1981 and the goal that scored in the 70th minute by O'Sullivan, whatever his name was. Like you know, that really upset me. But um, 1981. But anyway, it, that that for me, it, it, I think that's a really big part of kind of where the club is and you know one of the things I was a bit worried about is as you go to a higher level we lose that but you could see on Monday night there was absolutely no love lost for Fulham and they absolutely loved the fact that we beat them didn't they the cog yeah I mean it was it was uh, uh, like like Tom said that was an absolutely fantastic performance you could see what it meant to the players and uh, I mean, what what one of the things that struck me was the fitness of our team as well, because I think it, you know, Tom's right. It is about resilience and not giving up and everything. But this is this is quite a feature of our game now. You know, we we get stronger as the game goes on. Uh, Thomas, as usual, made some brilliant subs, but actually the the seven or eight players who weren't subs just kept going at a level that Fulham just couldn't match. Uh, and that was true of Palace as well. You know, we, we kind of could have thrown in the towel there. It was just That was one of those games where you thought we could play for, for months and we're not going to score. But uh, we, we hung in there and we got the result in the end. And, you know, we, we just pounded Fulham in that second half. And there were some absolutely superb performances as well. I, th- I thought Ivan was as good as he as I've seen him actually showing a whole range of 
uh, skills that uh, you know it, it, even for him were kind of pretty remarkable really uh, and I thought Ethan Pinnock yet again was an absolute rock at the back uh, but everyone played well it was superb they did indeed say something what we're going to do is that we're going to go and harp our minds back to Monday night go back to the terraces the stands the pubs let's listen to what the fans had to say in the stands and the pubs straight after the game seven on the table off the pitch which is good because most buggered off home early and, and missed their consolation goal great great performance mate first first 20 minutes superb fast they got back into the game yeah, they're decent on the ball the second half we just went straight back to control some really really good performance out there today Damsgaard was obviously the first time we've seen him playing at that level which is a real plus but the regulars the Ricos the Pinnocks the Tonys the Bryans where'd you stop that was an awesome performance gotta say all round though tremendous performance again from everyone no bad performances Damsgaard bit of a surprise to see him starting but he was everywhere for me he was my man of the match it was one of the best most complete Brentford performances I've seen for for decades I thought we totally dominated the game all but 20 minutes in the first half but really really good performance all the players up for it they all know what they did brilliant win against a decent Fulham side it's got to be said that is some of the best ball movement I've ever seen and some of the best striking I've ever seen Great time, great win for the Brentford Club. The shout out to Dan Scott. It was all over the pitch today. It was brilliant. Chasing them down, pushing, pushing, pushing. We were great, deserved the win. Yeah, easy life. When, when is this going to end? It's, we're in dreamland. I'm, I'm gobsmacked at the intensity and the enjoyment, you know, and the celebration of uh, everything. It's, it's beautiful. I'm loving it, loving it, loving it. We're loving it like that. <laughs> I think them scoring a goal really helped us because at our time it was just, we've just got to just swarm them, close them down, not give them any oxygen to breathe and play their football. And we were just relentless. The second half, uh, Dan Scott, Jensen, all of our players, just fucking 10 out of 10, unbelievable. Just, well, they just didn't know what to do. They couldn't cope with us, could they? You know. And I, I think Fulham, technically wise, are a really good side. But the second half, they didn't have the ball. They didn't. You know, it was a West London derby, big derby, and I think they bottled it. In the second half, we just wanted to win, and they just. I think they just couldn't cope with our energy, enthusiasm, and our determination as a team. They couldn't cope with us, and we deserve to beat them. 3-2 flatters them. 3-1-4-1 was what it should have been. Well, I thought we were brilliant. Home stands, home ends were good. Loud, noisy, creating an atmosphere. Brilliant stuff. But this was my first Brentford Fulham game. 30 years watching Brentford and seen us hammer QPR a few years ago. That was easy. But that night, 3-2 wasn't a fair reflection. That game was easy. We never even had to get out of fourth gear. Job done. Easy. There you go, the fans in the pubs and the stands straight after the game. And uh, you could just hear the joy in the stadium there straight after the match, the joy in the globe after the match. People are on the tables and everything, you know, singing and dancing and just enjoying themselves. And uh, it makes me laugh because you said Fulham are saying rent-free and all this kind of stuff. But it's just... We're obviously just very different sets of fans. I mean, at the end of the day, you know... 
we love our football. We've been in the doldrums for years. We enjoy it when we win. We enjoy it when we beat our rivals. And we basically just take the piss, you know. Uh, that's just kind of what we do as a fanzine, as a fan base. That's kind of what we do. And, um, and other people don't kind of seem to be able to sort of kind of take it. You've got to be able to take it when you win and when you lose. When we lost up at Fulham, we took it. You know, we had to take it. Me and Laney, I remember we were walking out there through the park. We were walking past all those Fulham fans, all the Fulham fans going, oh, you're Billy the Bee, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Was, what's it like losing your cup final? I'm like, you know, it was early in the season. We'll have to see how it goes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and it's different because, you know, you realise that for years we've gone to Fulham and we've absolutely taken the piss out. Literally, we have just like, well, it's, I mean, it's, like, it's embarrassing what we've done. You know, 7,000 fans in the putt at the end, like winning Ooh. 4-1. You know what I'm saying? And just going absolutely gaga. You know what I'm saying? And Fulham fans must be thinking, this is so embarrassing. Every time we play Brentford, they do us. And when they get like one iota of a victory, they beat us once in the league. I think, was it at our place? I can't remember. I think it might have been. Maybe it's their place. They beat us once. Out of all the times we played them and they were so happy. They got that one victory and then obviously the playoff final they got that victory and they were like yeah 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 but the fact is that what was brilliant about that is we were sitting in the pub in the globe so we didn't have to walk past them down bloody Wembley way <laughs> they took the piss out of us you know what I'm saying so it was brilliant it's the best time for them to ever beat us in a massive game and it <laughs> hasn't happened since but we, we we accept the fact that if you lose you've got to kind of you've got to suck it up a bit because you've given it now we've given it loads <laughs> And 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 but when, and then they've given it a little bit back to us, and then now we've won again, and we've given it back to them, and they can't handle it, can they, lady? No, but we all know that it's a game of like fine margins. You have to take your advantages where you get it, you know. And in an even game where you get like one or two percent either way, that's going to determine the outcome of a match. Then if you can if you can sort of dig dig deeper than um, than them because the derby or the or the or the rivalry. Um, inspires you in some way, then you know you've got to use that to your advantage. And and if Fulham Fulham are going to be aloof and say the game, you know Brentford doesn't matter to them. The real derby's Chelsea. Um, you know, uh, if that's your outlook, then you're you're kind of like you're you're missing out on on a, on a vital ingredient that could could actually inspire you. Um, you know, and you know Rico Henry so, it, that run back that that. Um, um, but he sprinted probably a hundred yards. Well, not, I mean, yeah, fifty yards at least to, uh, uh, to uh, regain uh, late in the game. Uh, exactly, um, he lost exactly, possession. exactly when in the game was that though, Lenny? It was, quite it was late. It was like eighty-five, maybe. Oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. It was, in, it, was it, it was an extra time. It was in time added okay. on. Yeah, well, I, yeah. when yeah, all the Fulham fans had left. But but that but that showed what. You know, I'm not saying he wouldn't have done that against Leicester or he wouldn't have done that against Bournemouth, but I'm sure that you know that that played into it. There was a, there was a mindset, it was a mentality. There was a they were they, they knew the players knew what the game meant, and you know it was it was like almost like life on the line stuff. And that 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 um, that 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 run back, he was as fast then as I've ever been in my life. Um, and, and that was after playing the game for you know an hour, an hour and a half plus you know so um, it, it was incredible and I think that's just encapsulated as I said just what what, what the game meant and you know um, they can, if people want to take the piss out of us look, our, our our cup final whatever they want to call it um, but we draw inspiration and we draw um, energy wherever we can get it and um, it, we we. <coughs> 
<laughs> we won. Uh, we <laughs> we yeah. hun- listen hundred percent. We won that game, and and again, this is. Th- I think this is what it comes back to again the conversation we had in the podcast before you know the fact that Fulham and Brentford are at sort of similar levels does it mean that the the, the meaning of the game has kind of uh, has dropped to a certain extent because the jeopardy is is a lot less um, obviously for the players out there that's not the case obviously for the Fulham fans out there I mean there must be something going on because obviously they were they were so upset that they lost that game they they walked out so it's almost like maybe it was even bigger for them because the fact is that they are back where they believe that they belonged and then they got beaten by a team who they thought was lesser than them. You know what I'm saying? So maybe for them, it's almost like it's bigger for them now than it is for I think, us. I think, I think you've actually touched. I think you've touched on a really good point, and I think the cog did so earlier as well. It's 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 almost like um, they turn their back on their club. They they they're they're happy. They're happy to kind of like you know take the plaudits like we are. I mean, it, you know, I'm, I thought Fulham were uh, a very impressive team. They're probably the best team that we played um, in the you know recently um, and um, you know it, it, it's 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 we, we can all we can all take pleasure in the fact that you know we're we're kind of like the ugly ducklings of the league and we're we're you know we're, we're putting some big big names out of they're putting their noses out of joint so um, th- there's a lot to be lots to take pride from but you've got a, you, you can't you can't sort of turn your back on on your club like that it's almost like we're we're we're, we're behind you when you're winning but when you're losing we'll just we'll just fuck off you know it's, it's just not it's not it's not the done thing is it really you know you've got not really it's ex- it's exactly that lane it's, it's entitlement actually with the with the Fulham fans they had years what they had a 10 year stretch in in the premier league all those years ago so there's an entire generation of them um that have known nothing but Fulham in the Premier League, you know, and so they, they lack that humility and they lack that ability to kind of look at other clubs as for what they are and, and accept, oh, well, yeah, they're Tim Pot Brentford, they've got their Legoland Stadium, all that nonsense that they, that they spout. It's such an easy narrative for any of them to spout over social media. But the fact is, they actually believe that they should be at the Premier League level. Now, right now, they're playing quite well and, and they're probably worthy of their place in the league. But... Yeah, they can't. They can't have it both ways. Like in the championship, they they didn't seem to care, and and, and you know they didn't seem to care about our rivalry then, and they, didn't, they and now they're making out that they don't care about our rivalry now. They do care about our rivalry now because they all left because they were so pissed off. <laughs> Listen, let's talk about. I'll go back to the game. Let's talk about a couple of players, okay? First of all, Kevin Schader. Now Schader uh, came from Germany. He didn't cost. 10p because he cost a little bit more because uh, he rated quite highly um, and Shard has been brought in you know and uh, you know I think you know may probably look at him to grow into the position where if Ivan Tony probably ever left which is a chance high chance that he will do the way that he's playing at the moment now anyone's going to be a fool not to be looking at Ivan Tony and paying us the money that we so deserve for finding him back in the day and paying 50 pence for him you know what I'm saying but um, yeah I, um, Kevin Sharder. You know, he's obviously come into the camp. He's uh, two months in the camp where, he's, camp where he's learning the Brentford ways and he's learning to, you know, to, the, the Brentford patterns of play and the style and everything like that. And uh, he's coming on as a bit of a super sub and causing a few problems. And uh, every week that he comes on, he's looking more and more impressive. And he had a good little run in this game, didn't he, the cog? Yeah, I, th- I I thought he was I thought he was uh, made a real difference when he came on. You c- he's electric, uh, you know. He's quick. He looks as though he's as quick as Rico, uh, which is seriously fast. And 
you know, when he turned Robinson for the what turned out to be the assist for Jensen, Robinson himself is quick, uh, and he he made him look really really pedestrian. There was another nice little bit of skill that he did uh, over the other side of the pitch as well, uh, and it ended up not coming to anything. But I like the fact that he's trying things. You know, we need people in this team who can beat their man, and he certainly looks capable of doing that. I mean, I, I think he, you know, he'll be pushing for a start. I think there might be a case for switching him and uh, Wiese around, bringing Wiese on as a sub. Uh, you know, he he's not going to... Thomas isn't going to be able to leave him out for much longer, I think. He, he looks he's got so much about him. Laney? Yeah, well, I, you, you actually nicked what I was going to say there, the cog. You're absolutely spot on. I was going to say that we needed to see that from, uh, from Sharda. Um, you know, because he's clearly one that's literally now toe to toe with Wisa in the starting lineup. You know, um, if we if we could see a couple of goals out of him soon, I'd, I, I don't. I, there's a, there's a lot different about them individually as players, clearly, um, and you know the, the physicality and, and what they bring to the team. But in terms of uh, you know danger and. Um, I, I, I see that Sharda now is, is, is kind of like he's starting to deliver. He knows how we play um, and he, he's, had, he's had that time to immerse himself in, in just kind of like what, 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 how we operate. Um, and Wiesa, Wiesa needs to up his game, I'd say. You know, they're, 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 they're both competing for the same place, you know, and Bumo and Tony, they, they, they're, they're, they pick themselves. But um, yeah, I, I think Sharda started to shine. Definitely, Sharda is shining, a shining light in the bees camp. And then we've also got another player who we've been waiting for him. I think it's been a bit tough for him because he came with such high expectations off the back of the Euros, had a brilliant Euros, you know, got to the semi-final, you know, scored a free kick against England. Um, He was uh, seen as the person who replaced Ericsson in the Danish side. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So obviously when Ericsson left and went elsewhere and then he was signed up for us, we basically expect him to be the new Ericsson. And it didn't quite happen. Brentford didn't throw him in the deep end. They just basically used him as a super sub, bought him on for five minutes there, ten minutes there. <clears throat> we were a little bit like, hmm... Is he really the player that he thought he is? But to be fair, Brentford just stuck with him. And then on Monday night, they started him and there's a little bit like, okay, what's going on here? But Damsgaard had a mighty fine game. Didn't he, Laney? Yeah, he did. Um, you know, they're, they're, as, as we're seeing, you know, him evolve, um, him getting stronger and him getting used to, you know, Brentford again, another player that needs to kind of like work out what we're about. Uh, he, he's, he's starting to kind of um, 
prove his quality and his class. You know, uh, it, it was inevitable that we give him enough minutes and we give him enough time. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna show what he's, he's all about. He's still a very different player to uh, to Christian Eriksen, from what I can see so far. You know, Eriksen was someone you just gave the ball to and he produced magic. He'd either produce a pass or he'd go, you know, he'd see something that, and he'd see something or he'd pass or he'd he'd cross. With the quality that no one else could do, you know, Man United are, you know, you know, they're they're absolutely, you know, they are so happy that they, they were the ones that got that player. But uh, but um, Damsgaard, he's he's someone that's only going to get better, I think, and uh, I think he's going to prove to be an incredible bit of business for us. Um, it may not be this year still, and it, it may be next year. But yeah, it was it was a big call to start him. And um, you know, I think he's earned that right over the over the you know the previous three or four matches. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 hoping that he he, he can just build on that and, uh, and stay fit and get stronger. Mm. I mean, this Fulham game, if anything, was a was a big statement. We've, uh, as you know, I, I I don't like using the amount of games um, that we're unbeaten because I think that it probably doesn't sound as grandiose as if you use the amount of months because obviously there's a month out for the World Cup so I'd, I'd rather say that we're unbeaten since October which I think sounds really good like you know what I'm saying from March to October we're unbeaten in the Premier League uh, this is obviously a, a big thing for Brentford I mean we laughed about the, the European tour but all of a sudden newspapers are writing about European tours for Brentford which kind of makes it a little bit more real I've always been a bit nervous about the European tour but I'd love to go on it but the question I'm going to ask you is that this Fulham game <coughs> We talk about the West London Mini League and we joke about that as well. But all of a sudden, this kind of crystallised that West London Mini League a little bit because Fulham were kind of always above us in that. Uh, and yes, we did have a game in hand time, you know, time over time here and time there. And we just thought, you know, are we going to catch it up? But we've beaten them. And if I remember rightly, I think we've got two games in hand over Fulham now. Um, so we can actually go to the top of the West London Mini League, which doesn't probably mean anything to Liverpool fans or Man United fans or Chelsea fans but it means quite a lot to us and also if you speak to Chelsea fans as well they're a little bit resigned to the fact that they're going to finish third in the West London mini league which I think is uh, is quite a bizarre situation that we're in but just just coming back to this game where we've beaten Fulham which kind of basically kind of puts up a few notches what's your main takeaway about this about Brentford and about everything about this season that you've got from this game, the cog? Well, I mean, <clears throat> apart from it being a really, really strong performance, one thing that did strike me during the game is, uh, and this is new for us, we've now got a, a series of players who can strike a dead ball threateningly. Uh, Brian hit the post, Ivan hit the post talking about Damsgaard as well you know remember his goal against England you know he is a decent set piece taker so because uh, I can't remember anyone since like Barbe really who could strike a decent free kick suddenly we've got three of them in the side who uh, are a real threat from you know anywhere around the box really so it's it's perhaps a bit of a minor point but I was thinking on Monday night actually we've uh, we're in a very different place as far as that part of the game is concerned uh, definitely I mean and, and Tommy Tom I think um, I think sort of thinking uh, wider uh, to, to 
to go back to your question in terms of where we are as a, as a club sort of now and what it means for us in terms of this result uh, I think um, at the start of the season all, all I wanted to do was finish above Fulham I didn't really care about Chelsea I didn't really care about anything else I would like to have finished above 13th just because that's just progression but I really just wanted to finish above Fulham um, the fact that we're now going to have to probably finish seventh or eighth to finish above Fulham is actually quite remarkable um, and it says quite a lot about them as well but um, yeah it either says a lot about the league uh, and maybe how mediocre or less than mediocre Ooh. Chelsea have been okay. uh, and other teams um, or, or or it just says or that how actually good we are. Exactly. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say, Billy. You jumped in there. I was getting there. Um, it's, it's just how good we are, actually. Like the guy Dan, the guy who stands next to me on, uh, on the West End, he just said, "I can't believe how good these players are." Like, and I, and that's the point. It's like we've all watched some pretty terrible players. We've all had some bright sparks along the way, and we've all got our favourite players over the years. But this squad as a whole is ridiculously strong and you look around and we're there on merit and this is the thing and it's bizarre you say it's bizarre and it is bizarre because we're so used to being little old Brentford oh we're just having this fun old ride in the Premier League and actually but we're there on merit we're there on merit and our players are really good and our squad are really good and our head coach is outstanding at what he does but it's interesting I mean you sort of said we're going to have to probably finish 7th or six to finish above Fulham in the West London Mini League. Now, according to 538, which we used every now and again <laughs> when we want to just feel kind of good about ourselves and to see where we're going, project ourselves, 538 actually predicts Brentford finishing in eighth position at the end of the season on 57 points. Uh, one place behind Newcastle, we're on sixth on 64 points. So there's quite a big gap between us and Newcastle and Brighton. Um, on uh, it's Newcastle on seventh, Brighton on sixth with 64 points. Then Tottenham, Liverpool, Man United, Man City with Arsenal finishing top of the league on 85 points. One point above Man City is what they're predicting at the moment, the stats people. However, us being in eighth place, they predict Chelsea to be second in the West London Mini League on 54 points so that's a big three points behind us is the prediction at the moment now and Fulham to finish in uh, 10th place in 53 points which is a big five points behind us which is a big gap you know if you're talking about in that position now so at the moment now they're actually feeling the bees the statisticians now we know that this is all about stats and things could change the season it's about form and who comes in and injuries and people getting banned and all this kind of stuff so but however for me that's quite a nice look, isn't it, the cog? Yeah, it definitely is. It, it's kind of it's remarkable uh, where we, where we've got to. Just going back to the point that Tom made about the quality of the players, I totally agree with that. And what's really interesting, I think, is if you look at the bulk of the eleven who started the other day, uh, almost all of them were with us in the championship for you know at least a year, and. So the improvement that those players have made is testament to how hard they're working, but it's the quality of the coaching must be absolutely sensational at Brentford. You know, I think a lot's been made of our recruitment over the years, quite rightly, but what we're seeing, you know, the, the difference that, that's being made at the moment is not by an influx of new players, it's by the players we've got improving and improving so rapidly, it's incredible. We, we can now hold our own against any side in, in the country. You know, and this is a, a, an incredibly strong league and we look absolutely at home. We seem to have got every opponent worked out. Uh, we've got players we can trust who are consistent, who understand 
and can adapt to different formations. Uh, they know how to make a result. And now and again, the wheels will come off. You know, Villa was, was appalling, Newcastle even worse. But those uh, th those occasions are few and far between. We've only lost four games out of 20-odd games this season, which is it's unthinkable two years ago when we, uh, you know, scraped through. Well, we didn't scrape through. We won a, a superb and well-deserved playoff final. But we were third... Uh, in the championship and look where we are now we're, we're, we're seriously challenging for Europe and and not uh, not phased by anyone it's incredible no not at all listen um, just to talk about the besotted global player of the match for the game this game the player of the match was Damsgaard of course magnificent game he had so Damsgaard number one player of the match we had Ivan Tony number two player of the match and Ethan Pinnock was number Three. So, uh, like I said to you, those are going to be totted up. And at the end of the season, we'll find out who the besotted global player of the season will be. Thanks to the Tasmanian Bee, Dave Genford, for doing that every single week. Top, top bloke he is out there. Gets up very early in the morning to watch the Bees games over in Tasmania. Like all the other international bees, we're giving you a big shout, all you international bees out there. I've actually just got a little message from Steve Starnecki in the Washington Bee, who's just said that he's just managed to convince his wife to make him come over to the UK and he's going to come for the Villa game and come for the Chelsea game and also come for the Forest game as well. So like I said, welcome all you international bees who have found Brentford and, and rather than supporting Man United and Chelsea and Liverpool and all that lot, you've come to support a, a team who are smaller but have got a vibe. Anyway, anyway, listen, we'll come back to... Uh, we're going to come back to JB because JB's got a vibe and JB's got some facts and he's got a lot of funk. Let's find out what JB has got in his facts and funk trunk today. <laughs> Jonathan Birchall back again. This is the 26th season where we've met Fulham in the league. Prior to this season, there's never been a 3-2 result to either side, and there's never been a season where the home and away results have been the mirror image of each other. Two new records now established. We've now achieved 38 points from this 38-game season, with 14 left to play. That milestone reached nine games earlier than last season. As Ivan Tony took and scored his 22nd penalty for us, it took our current run of successful game-time penalties to 32 in League Cup and playoffs. The other 10 have come from side Ben Rama 4, 3 for Brian Amembo, 2 for Marcus Force, and 1 for Josh De Silva, all equally with a 100% record for us. The last unsuccessful penalty was Ollie Watkins' effort against Millwall in October 2019. So looking back at that and the previous 31, we had scored 17, but missed 15, only a 53% success rate. On the last podcast, I mentioned about us being slow starters in games. Well, Ethan Pinnock amended that fact when he scored in the sixth minute against Fulham. The earliest goal we scored in the Premier League. It was our fastest since Ollie Watkins netted the only goal of the game in the fourth minute of the behind-closed-door championship game against Preston at Griffin Park in July 2020. 111 league games ago. So there you go, JB with his facts and his funk. 
tell you something. We need to close this chat on Fulham. You know, we need closure. I mean, they, I know they need closure, but we need closure. Else, we're, we're, this podcast will be going on for about 15 hours if, we, if we're not careful. So just last thought on Fulham. The cog. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful evening. It was, uh, I'll never forget that game. It was a real joy to be there. Tom. Yeah, everything that's good about football and everything that's good about Brentford Football Club right now, taking on a, a local rival, a load of history there, in in a completely sort of slight new environment, you know, the Premier League and all the rest of it, and we just took them apart in the second half. I mean, that second half performance for me was right up there with the very best I've ever seen from any Brentford team. I just thought they were outstanding, and long may it continue. Laney. Uh, it underlines that nothing has been lost with the intensity of the of the match, the atmosphere, the players. They get it, um, even though it's in the top flight, and there was nothing really at stake. Um, the, the 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 players and and the game meant everything to everyone that was there, and uh, yeah, it was a proud night to be a Brentford fan. And for me, this game actually just it really solved one question. Why have a fire drill when you can have an evacuation? Anyway, we're going to have a drink and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Everton. Big game Saturday for the Bees because they want to maintain their unbeaten run. Big game for Everton because they are deep in the relegation zone and they need some points to get out. And also, and this is the thing about Everton because, listen, we're a little bit disappointed with Everton. Because they obviously don't understand. They don't know the plan. They're not sticking to the plan. The plan is to get Leeds relegated. Okay, so listen, Everton, Southampton, Nottingham Forest, West Ham, you need to stick to the plan. And, uh, you know, Nottingham Forest were doing all right for a while, but now they're starting to fluff it as well. And, like, you know, Leeds are doing really badly, but everybody else around them, they don't seem to be helping the situation. Just coming back, just coming back to Everton. Okay, so look, Everton... They were under a Frank Lampard. We're going to go over to Connor in a minute in Toffee uh, Blues podcast as well. And he's going to give us a little bit of a rowdown. But they, they, they listen, they were under Frank Lampard, who we've always had reservations about. We know Frank, you know, probably a nice guy. He was at Derby County. He had the crown jewels at Derby County. He didn't get them promoted there. And uh, and he had his limitations. He went to Chelsea and he was he got rumbled there. But, you know, but then, you know, Everton took him on board. Uh, I think they had a, a very good early, well, they had a good start because he played us and beat us in the cup. And they thought, yes, this is it. It's all turned around. But naturally, all things kind of just snowballed and it just got went horribly wrong for them. And he got the tin tack. He got sacked. And, uh, and Everton, they thought we need to do something to save our Premier League position. They've got in Sean Dyche, who obviously had a bit of a new manager bounce, which we don't believe in, but he had it in his first match and they did all right. But since then, they've not been looking particularly great, have they, the Cog? No, they haven't. I mean, I, I think actually that Dyche is a really good appointment. It's the first decent decision that Everton have made in a while, I think. I think Lampard was... Uh, I'm not up to it. I'm not sure what he achieved to uh, get that kind of big job. Uh, but my, <clears throat> you know, I, I assume that when Dyche took over, they, you know, not, not not so much a new manager bounce, but actually they've got someone who really knows what he's doing and is a, a an incredible track record at Burnley. So 
I think they will still turn it around but you know you look at their squad and it's thin uh, you know it, you know that they don't seem to have proper cover in a series of positions uh, so you know then they're not going to haul themselves totally clear of the drop I think I think they'll still be uh, nervous with a couple of games to go uh, but I you know I uh, and and you know you have to make the point that their home advantage is quite significant. I think you know when Goodison is rocking, it's proper rocking. You know, so they're going to need to really make the most of their home games. And uh, I have to admit, I do fear for us a little bit on Saturday uh, because certainly the last time we went up there, it was deafening, and you know th th it was. Uh, it was almost kind of feverish, really, the support they had that day. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is and this is the thing. I mean, at, at the bottom of the of the Premier League again, going back to five thirty eight, they have Bournemouth finishing bottom on thirty three points. But the fact is, it's more the point that they've got sixty four percent chance of relegation is Bournemouth, and then Southampton second bottom with sixty three percent chance of relegation. Everton third bottom with fifty eight chance of relegation Nottingham Forest fourth bottom with 41% chance of relegation then Leeds United fifth bottom with 28% so there's a bit of a gap between Forest and Leeds and then West Ham are 14% so West Ham are sort of at the moment they're thinking kind of out of it so what this is dependent on is one of these teams coming out of a result which is out of the blue over the next few weeks so somebody's going to come out with a result out of the blue which will actually get them points that the statisticians don't think that they should have got so this is I think where we've probably got to be a little bit careful because obviously I think they probably expect us to get three points from this match and if Everton do it's going to just change things all around which in a strange way which will put Leeds in a bit of trouble but we don't want to be the the people that sacrifice our points to actually kind of be drawing Leeds into it I mean Laney Everton for you I mean they, sh they technically they shouldn't be in this position, but I mean the the way that the club's been run and the, the, the stupid money that they spent. I mean, it's just uh, it's almost inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, well, they're, they're there for a reason, you know. It's just a, it's mismanagement, it's bad purchases, it's the lack of kind of strategy and vision, a long term vision. Um, you're right, you know. Growing up, they were they were huge, you know. Um, they were always kind of like. Yeah, they, they, they weren't glamorous, I, ne I never thought, but they were always, you know, there and they were always big and they always had, you know, the ability to, to get the best players. Um, going up there, you know, the cog's right, you know, the, the, their biggest asset is, is really their atmosphere. And we saw that last, last year, you know, I wasn't really necessarily um, scared about the players, although they had some, you know, they have better players probably then than they've got now. Um, you know, we've obviously we've got the Morpay factor. You know, he scored against us for Brighton. Um, I hope I hope he doesn't, you know, play a player you know, a part in 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 you know the big the big decisions of the game. But you know what? You know, okay, yeah, yes, the atmosphere, yes, that they're going to try and be on the front foot and they're actually going to try and win the game um, rather than box clever and, and defend for their lives. But like they would, they would do against Man City or Liverpool. But they are gonna. Their defence is is shaky. We will always create chances, no matter who we play against, and we are gonna create chances against them. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, I agree with the cog. We need to be wary, but I'm not 
I'm not overly worried. Yeah, the run's going to end at some stage, of course, anyway. But I'm not sure it's I'm not sure it's this weekend. Everton. Okay, let's look at where they're strong and where they're not so strong. They're strong at stealing the ball from the opposition, but where they're weak, keeping possession of the ball, finishing, scoring chances, defending set pieces, aerial duels. They're very weak at. Uh, avoiding individual errors and also very weak at defending counter-attacks they like long balls attempt crosses often they're aggressive they've got the consistent first 11 and the opponents play aggressively against them uh balls in our court here you know you look at that you sort of think we can actually um we can actually do the business yeah absolutely we're, we're there i mean they're there for the taking aren't they though i mean they're, they're not very good um Deich is a good appointment and uh, to echo other sentiments on the pod already that their atmosphere is very much something that works in their favor when when the fans are there and up for it but that's the point the fans have got to be up for it and they've got to get behind it they've got to have something to get behind and right now they don't have anything i mean you reeled off all those things that they're good at or they're bad at i mean they're bad at pretty much everything really aren't they and and we're pretty good at most stuff as well so um yeah that said they'll probably win one nil now but um uh, i think i uh, actually joking aside, I, i'm not i'm confident about saturday i, I think they're there for the taking i, th- I think that there's no quality in their squad they have they can't score goals they can't keep goals out they can't hold on to the ball um they might they might fluke a goal and then the fans get behind them and it gets a bit raucous and it gets a bit difficult. But yeah, we've just got to go up, take our chances, and I think that's three points in the bag. So uh, listen, I mean, we are going up to Everton. I'm going to listen. I'm going to just go around the table here and I'm going to actually tell you something. What we're going to do? I mean, we're talking about we need to take the game to them. We're going to go to Everton. We're going to go to Connor from the Toffee Blues podcast. He's going to give us the lowdown on Everton. <laughs> My name is Connor Williams. I'm a presenter for the Toffee Blues and Everton YouTube channel. Um, cover a load of things, including re- match reviews, match previews, news, transfers, all the good stuff that you'd expect. Live streams occasionally. Um, yeah, Everton fan. So absolutely enjoy the pain of being one. Um, and forever an optimist. Thought we'd do better than we did last season, this season. Struggled. Still think under the new manager will be better off. So forever an optimist. Cannot 100% say we'll stay up, but also cannot 100% say that I think we'll get relegated. It's that type of glass off full mentality. Um, but yeah, so far, I think the season's been pretty poor. Um, I think Frank Lampard, I didn't rate him as a manager when we got him. I think he was lucky last year. Um and I think the problems were there early doors. And I think he's carried on with those problems now up until we should have sacked him when Bournemouth beat us twice in one week, putting seven goals past us. Should have sacked him then, had the World Cup break. Uh, instead, we hung on too long, which is a problem Everton do do. Everyone thinks we sack managers willy-nilly. Problem is, we don't. We just hire really bad ones and then keep them too long. So... Yeah, a really bad season for us. Um, I think pre and post World Cup, there was literally no difference in Frank Lampard's team. The writing was on the wall before it. It was real incompetence and negligence for the board to keep him in charge during that. And then another like month afterwards as well, uh, the damage was done. We were dropping down the table. I think because fans 
most fans liked Frank Lampard still and still, for whatever reason, thought he was a good enough manager. The board kept him on. I personally and a couple of other fans knew he was never going to be any good uh, and should have got rid of him. Um, but uh, I also think the league's a little bit tougher. Everyone's had a good January from what I can see. Um, some of the teams coming up have done really well um, and some of them not so well. Fulham are doing really well. Uh, some of the Premier League stalwarts of late, like Southampton, who've been up in the, in the top flight now for must be about eight years now, uh, are struggling. I think this they're showing what happens when you don't fund the squad properly. Um, but it's still competitive and they look like they're not done yet. Bournemouth don't look like they're done yet. Um, and the teams around us have changed managers and had a good January. So the rivalry and the, the quality of the division is really tough. This is probably one of the closest Premier League tables I've seen in years. It's unfortunate that um, my team are where they are and I'm interested in it because as a neutral, this would be a great league to watch at the minute. Um, but yeah, out, out, up to date, I, I don't know, Everton's form, probably a six. I think it's got better under Deitch, which um, you know is worth pointing out. Um, Lampard, I think, was ill-equipped. I don't think he was ready for such a big and stressful job. Um, he should have stayed in the lower in the championship, learning his trade a little bit more. Deitch, I'm happy with him. He's He seems to already uh, bring a fight to Everton, bring a tenacity. He, work, he wants a working, hard-working team. I think once we've got fit players, a.k.a. Calvert-Lewin, who is absolutely essential to us, we will see a better Everton. Those crosses that we're getting into the box will have somebody a little bit better than Moipai on the end of them. Um, I think, unfortunately for Deitch, if he'd been brought in when he should have, which is just before the World Cup break, I do believe we wouldn't have been in this mess. But like I said, the board were negligent and now he's got a real job on his hands. Uh, and for that, I feel a bit sorry for him. It was a poison chalice for anyone. I could see why Marcelo Bielsa supposedly turned it down and wanted to manage the under 23s um but yeah I, I think it's a real tough one in terms of the squad I, it's really tough we didn't make any signings in january and that for me i think will be potentially what kills us not so much anywhere else i think we've got a good back four and a, a good keeper um, our midfield is okay. It's aging a bit. Idrissa Gay isn't what he what we thought he was going to be again. I think everybody remembers him from three years ago. He's really beyond the pace. He's cost us a couple of games as well. Uh, he's just not up for it um, for me. But the biggest one is not signing a striker. Dominic Calvert-Lewin struggled for the last two years now with injuries, which is a big shame for him uh, on a personal level. Um, he's a really great player as well, so it really does suck that he's not been able to play. Um, we should have got a striker. If you've lost your main striker, last year we had Richarlison, who had 11 goals. You, you sold, We sold him in the summer. Calvert-Lewin's still injured. Where are those 11 goals coming from potentially to keep us up? Neil Moypai looks like he couldn't hit a barn door, a barn door. So it's a real struggle for us. I think the lack of getting a forward, even though we were promised it by our owner, is really again negligence. It's the current thread of Everton and the theme running through this club is the negligence uh, by the powers that be. Um, I think in terms of what we have got uh, that might be a struggle for Brentford, um, I think. I 
think, to be honest, since Sean Dyche has come in, one of our better players has been Dwight McNeil. He really struggled under Frank Lampard. I think Frank Lampard was playing him out on the right as an inverted winger, which wasn't not what you should be doing with Dwight McNeil. Uh, Sean Dyche has come in, said, you'll stay out on the left. You you will do the defensive side of the game as well as the attacking. And he's put in some really decent balls. I think he's been our best player since Dyche took over. Uh, obviously rekindling that Burnley sort of link they had. Uh, and you can see that now. You can see it. He is certainly getting better. I don't know if he'll score, but he could get a couple of assists. Problem is he's putting in great balls, but like I've already alluded to, nobody to finish them. Really, really disappointing. Um, I think in terms of who could do better, I, I don't think your podcast is long enough for me to run that line down. Idrissa Gay, I think he could be a lot better. Um, yeah, I think he could be a lot better. I think Mikalenko, the left-back, has struggled as well. Uh, Neil Moypai, got to be doing better. Really, really poor striker. Um, yeah, really poor. Best game of the season so far would have to be the 1-0 win um, at sort of... Uh, Goodison over Arsenal, league leaders, we did really well there. Deitch's first game, and you could already tell what he'd been working hard on in that week. Um, I know there were jokes about him making Everton players do the bleep test, but it worked. They ran Arsenal off the pitch. It was a really good, typical sort of what you'd associate with Deitch in terms of um, aggressive, hard-working. Not anti-football, which is what he gets dubbed as because we had created better chances than Arsenal. Um, I think is what he gets labelled as by the media is a very unfair critique. Um, worst game of the season so far to, to counter that. I mean, post-Deitch's post appointment would be the Arsenal away game. Absolutely dreadful. But before that, the Brighton game, any of the two Bournemouth games, really, really poor games for us. Um, but like I said, I, I'm a glass half full type of guy. I can't 100% say that um, last year I didn't think we were relegated at this time last year. There was something that made me carry on hope. There's that again this year. I can't 100% say I'm confident we'll stay up, but I'm not 100% worried that we'll go down. I think it, there's still plenty of games to play. Our, you know, It's tough. We've got Brentford who were undefeated in, I can't remember how many, it might be more than 10 games. So that's a tough game. And then we've got a couple of other tough games like Chelsea. But then we also play like the likes of Bournemouth and I think Leeds. So the teams around us. And if you want to stay up, you need to be beating the teams around you. Um, so it's in our hands, so to speak. And then there are some tougher games, which is a shame. But it's the Premier League. You don't get easy games. Um, but yeah, Brentford, uh, absolutely good memories. Um, good memories about last season. I think it was the sort of game that kept us up um, last season, which was uh, phenomenal, obviously, for us. Um, I don't think we've got an awful record either against um, against Brentford. Um, I think it's. I think it could be better. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's awful. I think. Um, I think Brentford have beat us twice. We beat them once, um, and I think we drew earlier this season, which wasn't a bad result at all I'll take a draw earlier on in the season if I remember rightly Brentford created a lot more chances than us uh, we held on really well could have held on a little bit longer to get that win um, the equaliser came in the 84th minute but uh, it, to be fair if we'd won the game it'd have been a, it'd been a steal for us um, 
drawing the game was a bit of a steal when you look at the chances Brentford created. I think they did really, really well, uh, and we did well to hang him there. Um, which which player? I mean, Brentford. I'm not surprised about that. They give us a good game. They've got lots of good players. Ivan Tony is the obvious one, um, clearly, and he's just a fantastic striker. He is very much. Um, a striker I'd love at Everton. If somebody said which striker, free checkbook, any price you want, he'd be one I'd go after. Uh, but yet, you know, there's a number of good players there. There's Onyenka, uh, Keen Lewis Potter, who we were after in the summer. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, Rico Henry, I think, is a decent fullback. Um, I think we're going to have to be careful um, of those. Um, and I think as well, one that can't be uh, underrated is Ben Mee. I think he's a solid and has been a solid centre-back for the last four or five years. Uh, I think he did really well alongside Michael Keane and everyone praised Michael Keane, who then came to us for a bit of big money. Then it was Tarkowski um, and everybody was like, oh, Tarkowski's the one. I think it's Ben Mee because he's been the constant in that side. So it was a really great signing for Brentford and I think him he will really be up for this. Um, just for a bit of fun. Um, I think the game, uh, honestly, I don't know, it's a bit tough. You'd hope for a win because it's at home for us. But um, like I said, I think Brentford are undefeated in over 10 games. I can't remember the exact stat, but I saw it the other day on Sky Sports Twitter, which is really impressive. So with that in mind, I'd happily take a draw. Um, but obviously where we are, the position we're in, we need to be winning all the games at home because that's where our best form is score prediction I think it'll probably be I hope 2-1 to Everton but I can see it being one all uh, I think it's going to be a really tough contested game uh, really hard working players as well uh, but I've been Connor Wounds for the Toffee Blues I hope, uh, hope you enjoy listening I hope I haven't been too biased um, and thank you again Billy for having me on it's been an absolute pleasure so there you go, Connor from the Toffee Blues podcast. So listen, we're going to go around the table and we're going to just find out a score prediction from you chaps from the Everton game. The Cog. I think it's it might be a bit closer than, than the others think. Uh, I, I'm going to go 2-1 Bs, but I think it's going to be tight and I think there are going to be some scares in the game. <laughs> Tom No, I think we're playing with so much confidence and so much ability and so many threats coming off the bench easy 3-0 Ooh, win Delaney Oh, 3-0, blimey um, I think um, Tom uh, really hit the nail on the head a little bit earlier um, Dyche gives them the best opportunity they can have of escaping he'll, he'll set them up right I just think We've got more quality than even we care to kind of like acknowledge sometimes. Um, I'm going 2-1 Brentford. Oh, and I'm going to go 2-0 to the mighty, mighty Bees. And hopefully my... It's a bit, it's just, that's a clean sweep, <laughs> isn't it? We're, we're all saying Bees win. That's right. Hopefully my horse will come in one day with the 2-0 win as well. Tell you something, just coming back, because like I said to you, the question is, has been in this podcast, we've talked about Fulham, we've talked about Everton, we've talked about wins, we've talked about joy, but we've also talked about fire draws. Bates, yes. <laughs> talk about, uh, it's a different matter. He's best by far. But we've also talked about 
uh, evacuations and fire drills. And Fulhamish have come back to us. And I asked them the question, please tell me. I said to him, please tell me you stay to the end. And uh, Fulhamish, Sammy from Fulhamish said, I left halfway through stoppage time. Arrest me. <laughs> and I'm just like, so I think it goes, so now listen, you know, as I said to you, there's always a good reason sometimes for people to leave early and sometimes we can't say you have to stay to the end so I said okay um he said but I live in Guildford and I had a train to catch so th- th- there was his reason for leaving early which is that a valid reason lads is that a valid reason no not in the slightest you can get a train to Guildford from Cuckoo Bridge really easily like every 15 minutes okay so I asked him the question would you have left if you were winning 2-1 and he said no so uh you know or he goes or if or if Brentford were winning 2-1 and he said no Say it, but he goes at three one. The game was done, so he left. So, is that a good enough reason to leave at three one when you're down at that stage? Is it fucked? <laughs> <laughs> okay, his excuse is like every team's fans leave early when two plus goes down. I personally don't see the big deal. Would have loved to clap the players off. I'm not getting home thirty to forty minutes later for the privilege. Now, it's not true that every team's fans. Some of them do, as we said, but not every team's fans leave when it's two goals down. So maybe this is kind of like different fans have got different kind of ways of thinking about it. We've talked about this loads, but like I said to you, we thought as the podcast finished, we've got the view from one of the... T- yes? Yeah. I might have to leave. From the <laughs> you leave, actually. Tell, <laughs> you tell you why. Yeah, I've got... Um, yeah. Uh, got a train to something or that's other, a, that's whatever, whatever suits my narrative. That's right, you're, yeah, you're, 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 yeah. What's it? You're, you're, yeah, I'm off as well. I'm yeah, afraid. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Tom, Tom, are you off? Nice, you're off as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, yeah. I've got, I've got a Victoria sponge to finish. Sorry. You're four 0 down in the argument, so you, you're gonna, you're gonna go now as well. Is that right? Yeah. Bill, you, you, you need to, you need to do I've one. Got, as well, I need to tell you something. We all need to do one because we've decided that we spent far too long on this, and there, there's far too much yeah, entertainment yeah, happening. Things that there might, there might be stuff happening in a minute, yeah. but I, I'm just gonna no, bail out. No, anyway. no, there's a lot, there's a lot better podcasts than there are out there. So we thought that we better leave early mm. because you know because we just we, we can't like, we can't handle. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on all good podcast channels. Write us a review as well. Don't forget, don't leave early. Whatever you do, don't leave early. Also, don't forget to go to Besotted Global if you want to. Besotted.com. Don't forget to buy us a beer. That's very important. Besotted.com. Oh, I'm back. I'm back for that. So ladies back for the beer as well. All the other Tom's back for the beer and the Cog's back for the beer as well, actually. You could leave now as well. You know, you could leave with the Fulham fans. But like I said to you, my name's Billy Grant and I'm in the house here as well. And Laney, he's gone. But are you still there, Laney? No. Laney's not there as well. The Cog, are you still there? Yeah, I can hear you, Bill. Uh, Cog's still there as well. Tom, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, just getting the Victoria sponge out the oven, mate. He's still there as well. And I'm Billy Grant here. I've really enjoyed talking about Fulham. I've really talked about talking about evacuations. I've really started talking about fire drills. I've really started to talk about Everton. I've talked about enjoyed talking about everything because it's been a really great day. We won the West London Derby. We're top of the West London Mini League. Almost like we're all over the place. As we say, come on, you be you you Right, let's get out of here. We've been in here far too long, actually. You know, let's go. Evacuate the place. Billy has left the building. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.